You're listening to Leverage. To Leverage. To Leverage. An ASA Studios production. Hi, and welcome to Leverage, ASA's podcast on the politics of aging. I'm Leanne Clark Shirley. Today, we're talking about the Older Americans Act. It was signed into law on July 14, 1965, largely as a response to concerns that policymakers had about a lack of comprehensive and community-based social services available to older Americans. The original legislation set up a system that channels dollars through states for community planning and for social services and for research and development projects. That legislation also established the Administration on Aging to run it all. The Older Americans Act has evolved across many decades and many reauthorizations, and today it's widely considered to be the primary vehicle for organizing and delivering quite critical social services, nutrition services, elder rights services, and other supports uh, to older people and family caregivers. And this program is vast. It crosses 56 state agencies on aging, 618 AAAs or area agencies on aging, 281 tribal organizations, one Native Hawaiian organization, together representing 400 tribes, and across nearly 20,000 service providers. The winter issue of Generations Journal is a reflective examination of the Older Americans Act, of its promises, its impact, and its place at the center of America's aging network. And this issue of our journal was spearheaded by guest editor Rich Browdy. ASA board past president, leadership award winner, and you know him as a longtime leader across many parts of the aging network. Today on Leverage, we're featuring an excerpt from an interview that Rich did with Edwin Walker, the Deputy Assistant Secretary for Aging at the Administration for Community Living, also known as ACL. Listen as Mr. Walker reflects on the achievements of the Older Americans Act, interactions with Congress, and getting honest with Americans about how prepared we really are for our aging society. I'm uh, Rich Brody. I have the uh, honor of being asked to be the guest editor of an edition for generations uh, on the Older Americans Act. And we had been um, trying to work through ways, uh, given how busy everybody is, uh, to capture some uh, the, the, the essence of some work that the administration on aging and in particular at ACL and the and in particular um, the individual we're talking with has been responsible for collecting on the history of the act and some of its implications. And when I think about people who are currently around, I mean, literally, because many of the leaders who were around at the time have since passed on, um, there are really uh, only a handful of people who are as qualified to talk about this topic as Edwin Walker is. So you joined uh, AOA in? I came to AOA in 1992, July 20, actually June 28th of July, 1992. So I just celebrated 29 years at the federal level. And it, um, I was fortunate enough to come in a career position. Uh, originally I was asked to come as a political under the Bush 41 era. And it was, uh, Joyce Berry was the commissioner. She reached out to me um, and I was very honored and uh, flattered. Um, I had received an AOA Title IV discretionary grant 
to do long-term care planning in the state. And we actually use that. Uh, this is critical. Uh, <clears throat> we use that to completely reform the long-term care system. What we then called getting rid of that institutional bias to really um, rebalance as you know, the terms used today uh, by really getting the legislature to see the value of home and community-based services over nursing home services, which the federal system in Medicaid was biased toward placing people in nursing homes. 60% of every person uh, who was discharged, every older person discharged from a, a hospital went into a nursing home. And so we just like, arrested that and created this system of providing care options. Today, it would be called care transitions um, to really arrest that situation and give people choices about what they wanted, where they wanted to receive care. And uh, it, it was just wildly successful. Well, uh, that's, uh, that also prepared you well for your new responsibilities in, in Washington, of course. Yeah. One of the things that you and I have shared over the years, uh, as many of us have, is that the Older Americans Act doesn't always get the attention or the credit that it deserves. Uh, we've all come up with different phrases for it. Um, while others argue that it is central to a support system for older people, particularly writ a little more broadly, so that not just people who are Medicaid eligible, obviously, but people who are um, whose resources are insufficient to meet their own needs completely, but are not yet Medicaid eligible. Um, is, those are kind of tensions that, that we've wrestled with over the years. What's your, what are your thoughts on that from, the, from your federal perspective? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would definitely agree that the Older Americans Act has never gotten the attention that it truly deserves. Uh, I, I believe the Older Americans Act has always been forward-leaning um, it really has established many of the institutions we enjoy in the aging services network today. From, from my perspective, it has created the infrastructure for home and community-based long-term services and supports in this country. And through many GAO reviews, it really has been um, identified as a great model because there is a small federal presence that sets out broad parameters with the strength of the aging services network at the local level. And the funding is flexible enough to respond to local needs. And so um, that model has been lauded globally throughout the world um, because of the principles of bottoms up planning. You were part of that uh, second world assembly on aging where one of the principles that was included following that was that countries should really look at including older people as participants in decision-making and policy-making, but also the concept of bottoms up, meaning from the local level up to determine what the needs are and to respond to those needs. And the Old Americans Act has been a model that we have shown throughout the world in terms of doing just that. Um, I, you know, and when I think of the institutions, I think of how the Older Americans Act was designed to um, test models and then to implement them after they have become successful. The model of an area agency on aging started as a, as a demonstration. The model of the long-term care ombudsman program started as a, a, as a demonstration. The concept of really 
where we are with home and community-based long-term care and long-term supports came out of uh, Older Americans Act Title IV funding and in, in part, in due part, to um, coordinating with the Assistant Secretary for Planning and Evaluation and the challenging, the challenge, um, channeling grants back then. Uh, but it was all about testing and being forward-leaning what will the field of aging need in the future? And let's build that. Let's test it and then build it. So I believe in the Older Americans Act. I think it, it just hasn't gotten the appropriations clearly that it deserves. There's always that question about when you get to reauthorization, there's always this question about should people try to be transformational in their, in their discussions about what goes into the act or the language. And there are other people who are kind of like, look, we're, we're doing okay. Let's keep our heads down so that we don't get shot because we've popped up and tried to make ourselves too uh, obvious. And as you and I have both discussed, we don't want the baby being thrown out with the bathwater. So there's a whole bunch of tensions in how you would do that. Um, do you have any thoughts? Because you, you, you've been on the inside and you've seen what actually happens with this stuff. <laughs> you know, people yeah. want to start doing things. What, what are your thoughts on that kind of thing? Well, I think that it may be time for us to be a little riskier than we have been in the past. And, but risky in order to get attention. Um, it sort of goes back to what I was saying earlier that we have struggled throughout the history of aging services and the Older Americans Act for it to get the attention it deserves. So a question we should be asking ourselves is, well, let's look at the strategies we've used in the past, which is marginal modifications to the act. Um, as a result, there may be a hearing, there may not be a hearing, you know. Should we have some radical proposals? Should we have some big policy proposals? Should we step out of our box, not losing what we have, uh, not throwing the baby out, but saying, hey, there's a bigger piece that we should be representing. Aging is huge. I mean, we're at the point in history where we're about to embark upon, for the first time in the history of the world, there are going to be more older people than, pe than younger people, than children. What does that mean from a public policy standpoint? What does it mean from a dependency ratio standpoint? Shouldn't we be talking about caregiving in a way that really addresses that. I mean, we're in, and, and it's interesting, and we should be doing that here in the U.S. because we're having those discussions with, with Asian countries and with other countries around the globe where their demographics are, are putting, their, putting them there before us. And we're right on the cusp of it here in the U.S. You know, it's, it's that issue of how do we bring about do we need to shake people up, honestly, about what we're about to face in this country? Because without doing it, and some would argue we're already behind, and I, I'm one of those, without doing it, financially, we're not going to be able to support this. I mean, when you look at the needs of people in long-term care facilities, and do, do you want Medicaid to be the provider of that? Do you really, is that the public policy we want in this country? Or do you want a system that allows people to either save enough money or have some system 
that pay, helps people pay for uh, long-term care, which is woefully expensive. And no one realizes it until they're into it. I mean, <laughs> you know, let's talk personal experiences. I, I work with my cousin. She's the only child with my aunt who developed Alzheimer's. She worked for the federal government. She saved her money. She and her husband were quite frugal. She bought long-term care insurance. Thank God she could get it from the federal uh, government. Her facility, and you know, this is in the broader Washington, D.C. area, is $10,000 a month, okay? Who can afford that for a, an extended period of time? We are, as a family, are working with everything she had, all of her resources, to maintain her there. Full memory care place, wonderful. But that's after we went through places where she eloped because they weren't really equipped to manage her. Um, and now, you know, she's a wanderer. She loves to walk. Well, this place is designed where she can walk all day long. She is walking through the courtyard and it just goes around and around and she's, you know, she's, she thrives there, you know? Um, but the point is the cost. How do we afford the cost of long-term care? Or how do we afford the burden of long-term care on families? What does it really mean? We're not prepared from a policy standpoint for those issues in this country. And so I say, maybe it's time as we use the Older Americans Act merely as a vehicle, okay, to spark those bigger discussions in the Congress and throughout this country. Well, that's a great vision, a great idea. A question we have gotten perennially from the Congress is, oh, well, you're guy, you guys are the small older Americans. Do you think your folks can really absorb an increase that we give you? I want you to know that in the, since COVID, the Older Americans Act Aging Services Network has absorbed more and spent and wisely spent and addressed needs the three in excess of three times its regular appropriation. So the answer is yes. And still there are needs out there. Yeah. So, hey, to anyone who will listen. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Leverage. And be sure to check out the winter issue of Generations Journal that dives into the Older Americans Act. It's available on generations.asaging.org. Yeah.